Welcome to the Creative South Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. Today, I talk with Redim Malinich. Redim is a creative director, designer, and author of Book of Ideas. We talk about prioritizing your day, work-life balance, why he decided to write the book, and more, all right after this. We all secretly, and some of us openly, know that we have a deep love for stickers. Whenever we go to Creative South, we come home with a massive sticker haul, and we feel like kids again. But why do we have to wait another year for this feeling? Luckily, Slaptastic can give you that feeling each and every month, direct to your mailboxes. Each month, you'll receive a pack of six limited edition theme stickers that you can enjoy and share with your friends and family. Head on over to www.slaptastic.com slash CS17 and sign up today with a special offer just for you. We've gone through and streamlined the Creative South Podcast Patreon page, cleaning out the excess and making it easier for you to support us. With options starting at just $1 per month, you can help support the podcast and even wind up with some cool Creative South Podcast swag. Every dollar helps cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. When you become a Creative South patron, you'll get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else, Creative South podcast stickers and t-shirts. So please help support the podcast and become a patron over at patreon.com slash creative south. Redem, thank you for uh, joining me. Thanks for having me. I mean, it's, it's quite interesting uh, time of the day to be doing a podcast and to be on Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> it's but right it, in the middle of the day for you. Yeah, it feels like I'm actually, my mind, I feel, I feel quite relaxed today because I don't feel like there's any deadline or not, anyone's waiting for any work or anything. I don't have to be <laughs> sort of rushing into the meeting in a minute. So that's good. It's quite nice. That's always nice. Yeah. So let's kick things off how I kind of always kick things off. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in the northeast of Czech Republic, what used to be Czechoslovakia actually at that time, because I was born in uh, 1978. That makes me 38, 39 this year. And I was born in a country which was um, run by communists. <laughs> so it was communist, regi- <laughs> communist regime. And it's, it sounds a bit strange. It sounds a bit like, well, obviously communist regime is totally different to democracy. Sure. Um, it looks and feels on the outside pretty similar to democracy, but... Once you start digging in, you see that it's not as, it's not, it doesn't share the <laughs> not same Not as bodies. warm and fuzzy. <laughs> um, I was lucky that my, my mum always, well, I say always, my mum's boyfriend was a musician and mm-hmm. he was, he had a kind of access to the Western world. And my stepdad was from, uh, from Berlin, from Germany. So I mm-hmm. uh, had a kind of a, a view into the another world, which some of my contemporaries or my peers didn't have at that time. And, I would say I was never really, it was at that time when I was growing up, it was never like a heavy brand, brand heavy world. It was just sort of regular upbringing, you know, having lots of fun outside. And I was, mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't as commercial as everything it is today. So it was quite sure. an interesting thing. Um, I was lucky that my mom by trade is a letterer. She, oh, okay. uh, she, she, she would do a typography uh, in a big scale because at that time there was no <laughs> machinery at that. No, so this is in the genes for you. I think so. I think I've definitely uh, inherited that's the creative side from her. Um, she uh, set up a studio, like a print studio afterwards with screen print and stuff. So mm-hmm. when I um, 
got bored of playing ice hockey as a sort of teenager. I went into death metal bands. <laughs> ah. <laughs> and we were the coolest cats because my mum had screen printing studio. So we were playing our first gig when I was just 15, <laughs> but we had our t-shirts printed. You know, I was always the one who uh, was interested in making the demo tape covers and I was making the posters and getting t-shirts printing. And because we had those t-shirts printing on the first gig, People were mm. like, who are those guys? Because it was it was almost unheard of that you would go to that level so quickly. Sure. So that was fun. It was just it was all about explorations. And at, at that time I remember seeing the beginnings of computers as in like used for graphics and mm. sort of made everything being hand drawn. And I remember like that was that change when I realized that is something I would like to some, pursue at some point in my life. Because it was just that freedom of putting type on the screen and then printing it out and playing with different fonts. And it was just, that was quite mesmerizing. However, it took me quite a long time before I even got to <laughs> a design. Because it's I just, I'm, I'm a very curious person. I always wanted to, I always wanted to know what else is out there. What else can we know? What else is to be mm. discovered, explored? So... Um, I played ASCII as a sort of child to early teenager. Then I discovered sort of beer and cigarettes and rock music. <laughs> so um, yeah, I started a band, but uh, because I was not always happy playing just the same, same genre of music, mm-hmm. um, I decided to become a DJ because I could listen to anything I wanted and get paid for being uh, going out. No, oh, I can see that. Yeah, that was really fun. And uh, I never knew that it would kind of let me to the path of a musical snob. I really just like, when I go out, <laughs> I, I, the music has to be good. It's just, I've, 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 it was the years and years of listening to what I really wanted to listen to. <laughs> um, but what I, what I really enjoyed about DJing was that that freedom that I could do, uh, I can play, let's say, five different styles on five different nights. So I would play one night, it could be a drum and bass night, and the next one would be just like indie, you know, uh, indie rock and stuff. And it just, I liked that variety because I mm-hmm. could do it. So I did that for a while and then I decided to go record shopping in England <laughs> and it, little did I know that I would stay for, well, 17 years and counting. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, I was always fascinated with the music labels and the artists that were coming out of London or England or Bristol and I wanted to kind of see, I wanted to be slightly closer to the music. Again, mm. little did I know that, that that interest in music would actually lead me to sort of kind of back to graphic design, kind of finding out that it's possible that it could be me creating those record covers or the flyers or the posters. What, uh, what was the catalyst that made you think that, I mean, aside from being in bands as a kid and I'm assuming probably working on your own stuff uh, then, what was the catalyst that kind of made that light bulb go off, I guess? I've... I I think for a very long time, even though I've been doing things that were making me happy, mm. I still didn't have that sort of the answer to my, I didn't still know what my calling was. Like, what is that thing I wanted to do, regardless sure. of the time of the day or budget or you know, stamina. <laughs> and <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I, was, I was always, I would think I was always okay with what I did. I was an okay DJ. I was an okay musician and I was never the one who would practice as a DJ I wouldn't really sort of practice at home I would just turn up and do stuff and the same thing would kind of apply to ice hockey and when I kind of dipped my kind of just I think when I sort of realized that graphic design could be something that could get me excited for a long time 
I wanted to be from that point as best as possible. And I just like, I just wanted to literally cram it in and kind of exercise, if that makes sense. You know, but musicians, a great mm. musician exercise eight, eight hours a day to be well, professional musicians. Sure. And, and with graphic design, I just realized that, okay, it's okay to change a couple of fonts on the screen, but it's the logic, it's the reasoning, it's the purpose, you know, it's everything. It's, it's just not a happy, obviously what you create is not a happy coincidence. You know, it has to right. have, it has to have a rule book, it has to follow certain, I don't know, certain rules. And it was kind of like, I think it's just naturally because I, because I started it with, with graphic design at the very bottom of the pile, like literally just starting doing <laughs> black and white stuff, you know, doing posters, like, for in in England, there's there used to be especially in sort of early sort of for a long time with rave culture and and sort of people putting on parties, the posters would be just a day glow poster, so it'd be like a black and white poster printed on a really bright background, and mm. those would be just created in, and literally just a simple composition. And even that, it even as simple as it sounds, I always found those posters at the beginning even quite hard to do because you really need to know your like the, the, the rules of making a really good poster mm-hmm. um, so you can make the biggest impact and starting at that level was so helpful because you are not necessarily what's the word confused by too many things you know you focus on one task at one it's just the, the, sure. the, 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 the field is very narrow it's not like for example today when I work on a branding project and I, I can be spending two weeks just thinking about it and then three months making it whereas <laughs> there was there was a simple objective like let's make a poster which catches the most attention and then it would go into a full color posters and full color flyers and album covers and that kind of thing so I was very lucky that when I decided to follow graphic design as something that would be of my interest I could actually do it incrementally rather than somebody, let's say a student comes out of the uni, right? Let's say today, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Wow. The world is so amazingly brilliant by giving you so many temptations, but not necessarily, (laughs) not necessarily too many answers, right? Not straight away. So you could be a 3d artist. You can be a letterer. You can be a calligrapher. You can be anything. And it's just like kind of zooming in on that little sort of detail and then kind of growing from there rather than sort of being sort of too excited by too many things. <laughs> I, I so, think. yeah, well, I'm curious about that because, you know, you mentioned coming straight out of university. I know you went to school for economics, right? I did, yeah. So how does, how does that transition happen? I... I think I had this sort of moment of panic, you know, when I realized that I, at the age of 17, 18, I just, I just, you know, you, I was at that stage, but music was my life. And sure. I just, As well, a I, lot of 17 and 18 year olds are. And you want to be a rock star, you know, that's what I wanted to be. I didn't want to bother with higher education. I didn't want to bother with, bother with any education whatsoever. But I think somewhere at the back of my mind, I was just like, I think like literally five minutes to 12, I realized maybe I will apply, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe I should have a backup plan. There might be. I mean, that was possibly the most sensible streak of, of, I've ever had at that age, which right. I have decided to follow in a higher education rather than, uh, rather than not. And what helped that I have chosen something which I always felt, it, it, it's, it, it had my interest. I was very good at sort of maths and, mm. and sort of similar subjects in science. So I was interested in, how it all sort of transfers into what we do. Sorry. 
was my dog turning around. Um, yeah, so it, it was just like, okay, what is the most sensible, I guess, sort of sensible option to do? So sure. ec- economics and sort of sort of accountancy and that sort of stuff. It was our business management was kind of like a safe choice. It's just okay, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, little again, little did I know how how helpful all of that would be for my later career. Because even though I do run a design studio, knowing how to run it as a business, it's it's very helpful. And not many people use that principle. Because they're more focused on the artier side, you know, on the you know, design rather than the business. Well, so. what, what are the challenges that come with running it as a business that the the background in economics has helped with? Uh, it's it helps to see any new, for example, like uh, starting up a new brand with with a client or starting up a new product. Starting a new product, it's it's good to have that sort of almost 360 vision rather than let's say 180 or 90 degree vision because I don't necessarily focus just on the packaging itself or I focus more on the market projection on the brand positioning I, I, I really try to th- see everything from a business perspective design is, is the enabler of like design is the expression of what they what, what my clients try to do but sure. having having the understanding of how business works it's 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 imperative I mean Lots of people I've worked with, like designers, they don't even know how to write an invoice. You know, <laughs> I um, I have, I have, you know, every part of like every aspect of of, of my business that I do, I, I want to make sure that it's beautifully designed, it's nicely experienced, and sure, I have even one business based on just the look of my invoice. You know, when I've sent an estimate to a client, they're like, <laughs> "We like the look of this," you know, because it's it's design is what I do. It's like. Imagine being a taxi driver or cab driver and having a really crappy car. You wouldn't really want to. You wouldn't really want to go in that taxi again. But if you're not, if your Uber driver's got a nice car and it smells good. You know, you just go like, well, pick me up again. You know, it's just it's that kind of. It's, yeah. it's all about customer experience. We live in the generation of customer experience, and it's it's like, how do you make people feel, and what do you know, and and it's you know again like with, with Uber drivers, I've. I've 75% of the rights I've ever had, they took me in the wrong direction because they don't know the area. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what, what is the point of this? Whereas if you got a proper London taxi driver and he says, okay, this is the shortcut, I'll get you there in five minutes quicker, it makes you remember the experience. And I think it's just, that's kind of almost like a primary philosophy of my business. Like, how do you make the process enjoyable, not efficient? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just to smash the perceptions of how design is created. Because from the agency model, and I don't want to be too negative about it, but having a, not running the one-man studio with help of freelancers, it, it, mm-hmm. you, I, I am the face of the business. I talk to the clients. I then take that work or take that brief. I create it. And under night, I deliver it. So there's no noise. There's no Chinese whispers at any point of this now. And because the operation is quite sort of, small and i would say fairly efficient i need to know more than just about you know cmyk splits or pantom colors you know <laughs> i need i need to know a lot more and that's including the, the business side which really helps mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's i mean everything that i've done including the ice hockey to music to djing 
everything helps, you know, because you always find some talking or some sort of common point with a client or with another designer. Just like, what is it? So, sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's that life experience that comes with living for yeah. blanking on another <laughs> phrase um, that, that helps you grow as a person. Mm. Um, you know, how are you managing your time with, you know, doing everything as a one man shop? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or are you? Uh, uh, my, my first natural answer would be not very well, but I, I try to be, again, as efficient as possible, but it's never possible because right. you can plan as well as you, not as you want. I've got, I've got a list of what I need to be doing tomorrow. And I know that there's 25% chance it will happen exactly in that order mm-hmm. because me being in charge of what I do, I sometimes have to make uh, decisions based on what that day brings. So sure. I, can't, I can't necessarily like, okay, I can't switch off my Wi-Fi for half a day because I might be expecting some changes before a print job or I might be um, negotiating a new, new new contract or something. So there's always a, an, an un, I say unwelcome destruction, but there's always something that will try to derail my day. Mm-hmm. And now I we've had a baby and I live with my partner. We've lived together for quite a while. I can't really do what I used to do when I, I would spend the admin day would be, let's say, between the hours of 10 in the morning and 8 in the evening. And then, mm. I'm start, and then I would start working from 9 to 4 a.m. <laughs> <That's>, that <laughs> would be the creative side of my day. But you can't really do that when you've got, you know, when you live with other people because they don't necessarily are not friends. Oh, sorry, they're not very... Uh, keen on you being a, a ghost in the house which <laughs> sort of stays up till 4am and just go like what, what what are you doing so i try to get up early and again try to be as efficient about my day as possible because it's it's possible to do a myriad of projects mm-hmm. all at the same time successfully but it's you have to kind of know how to prioritize and and plan ahead i think that's quite important Mm-hmm. so so well i noticed there was a section in the book about kind of planning your day and making it so you weren't burning the midnight oil and you know staying up till four in the morning so that's why i was curious about that is mm. you know because i know i'm guilty of being horrible at time management um and and procrastinating and all that so i'm al- i'm always curious how other people are handling it mm. so yeah, I, I don't think there's anyone who's got it really well, no? sort of thought out and, and, and nailed, <laughs> nailed to the T. Because with the creative profession, you can never, it, things are never really finished, are they? I mean, design, no. somebody said design isn't finished until somebody uses it, but we can always finish something. You can always try to do something. You know, there's like, it's the same with music. You can always add extra layers to your track or you can change you know, a key or can do all sorts of things to it. So I think I tried to set certain limitations to a project. So I've literally set the task. So I know what it needs to create, what it needs to be Mm -hmm. and kind of work from that backwards. So I know that there's a certain finish, (laughs) there's a certain finishing line to the project. So I don't spend extra five or six hours working on something which potentially is already working at in the morning. 
Sure. But yeah, managing managing time is it's ne- there's never enough time. There's never enough hours, <laughs> and that's pretty much that's that's the reason why we're speaking that together on Sunday because it's okay. I can sneak in some extra time, but tomorrow mm. it'll be it'll be a battlefield again. You know, we just <laughs> people vying for for the attention and things trying to and trying to get things done all the time. Sure. So when you're you know, planning things out. I know one of the things you talk about is also finding time for personal projects. How are you finding that time? Um, or are you fitting that in like today on Sundays where? <laughs> yeah, I try. I've, it's, it's this, I was thinking about it the other day. Like people talk about life, sort of work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And it, it is never. And like you, you either win at life or you win at work. And it's, it's, you can never have 50-50. Sure. Because it's just impossible. So that's kind of the same thing about about projects, personal projects and client projects. Mm. And I would be always very good at prioritizing clients. But when I get it very deep into a personal project, like I, for example, when I wrote the book of ideas, I've gone from the best designer, like the most efficient designer ever to client designer to the worst one because i I was putting other people's work on on the back burner and mm. doing my own stuff as a priority. It, and it's every every part, like literally, like what, what, when you live and breathe a particular idea, then that's the best time to create it because you really put your f- full focus on it. So kind mm. of juggling things at, on, on a sort of doubly basis is sometimes really tricky. So I try to spend a reasonable amount of time even thinking or validating ideas in my head. I'm thinking, okay, um, I want to do, for example, at the moment, I want to do a, a gallery exhibition with um, laser-edged um, typography into various materials like mm. mirrors and what's all sorts of like wood and stuff. You know? And and I've been I've, I've had that in my head for about a year now. I'm, I'm still trying to validate it. Like, okay, when is the right time to start? Because again, when I get going, I just want to concentrate on creating that as opposed to thinking, is it good enough or is this right? Or you know, Things just kind of come to you over the time. I mean, you can really sit and try to do things in, in one go, let's say in a week or a day or a month. Mm-hmm. But having that time of reflection, it really helps to give you, you know, kind of validate it. I think that that's kind of the best, <coughs> the best words to use, validation. So... Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about a book for about four years and then the baby was coming. So I knew I had to crack on. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's just, again, there's, there's no golden formula, but uh, as, as, as I mentioned in the book, like it, it's always about writing things down. Like literally all projects that I want to work on are on this piece of paper. So I don't forget because out of sight is out of mind really. Yeah. So, thing. well, it, since we've been, ta- we've been talking about the book and haven't, really mentioned the book <laughs> so that's let's, true but let's, let's talk about it the book is um the book of ideas um what what made you this is like your fourth book too isn't it technically it's my fourth book but it's my first one with an isbn number and it's the first proper um book with 256 pages <laughs> yeah. i i always as as soon as I've gone freelance, I wanted to have a physical copy of my portfolio. So sure. I've, I've printed out what I would call at that time a book, but it was more of like a glorified brochure. You know, it was just it was it was just a collection of imagery 
that I created. My work at that time was very sort of aesthetics based. So it was illustration, digital illustration. Mm-hmm. and it had very vibrant, colorful aesthetic. And I wanted to have it in my hand so I can send it to people. I wanted to surprise people because everyone's got portfolio, especially now. Everyone's got Behance, everyone's got uh, Cargo. I mean, it's, it's easy to be online, mm-hmm. but we are still human beings. We still hold things, you know, we still smell things. You know, we, you know it's, it's the attention. You can close a browser with one click, but you have to throw the book in the bin <laughs> physically to actually get rid of it. So you don't think about it. So I started in, let's say 2007 was the first, uh, uh, let's say 32 page book. Then a year later or two years later, I've doubled up the pages to 64 and I've created something called a book of colors because it was very okay. much a book of colors. Then uh, about 18 months later, I created book number three and it was again, still, very much just uh, illustration, kind of like a like a lookbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of mine who I've given, who's seen all of those books, he said, "Hey, I, I like the I like the latest book because it's nice and big and colourful, but there's no words. I want to know who you are in the in the book of colours." There was an interview in the back of it, and he said, "I really enjoy reading that interview because I could understand who you are." As someone who then I started uh, speaking at design conferences. Mm-hmm. I have found myself explaining some sort of philosophies and working practices, how, how I would go about them only to be then asking, getting more questions afterwards, after the session, people wanted to more, wanted, wanted to know more about sure. this stuff. And I kind of beginning to feel, I began to feel I was getting the beginnings of, of a collection of thoughts or philosophies or something of ideas Right. to kind of put them as a body of work. So I was making notes for, let's say, four years of kind of being observant and, again, trying to see trying to see the world with a very sort of curious, observant mind and sort of inquisitive mind, just like how I can do the same task but better every time or how I can sort of get from A to B quicker or with mm-hmm. more ease. Or, you know, when I, when I started in graphic design, I, 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 I was absolutely enchanted by the prospect of what could be possible, but not very happy with what my clients were telling me what to do because <laughs> you th- I literally felt like graphic design was fun until the client showed up. And, uh-huh. and, and it was just, it was a battle. I think a lot of people still feel that way. Yeah, and, I've, and, and I knew that this couldn't be it because I think half of the people would give up. <laughs> you don't want to be fighting battles all the time. Sure. So I wanted to kind of reverse engineer, like how can I make things easier? How can I make things be more enjoyable? How can I get people to actually be collaborators rather than sort of a backseat driver's pointing at your screen going, well, make this yellow, make this blue, not change the typeface or what typefaces you've got. And just like you think, that's terrible. So now I've kind of worked through the process that I believe that graphic design isn't fun until the client comes through. You know, like you need, I really need these people to come and say, right, this is my question. To, uh, sorry, this is my question. What's your answer to my problem? And I, and I quite mm-hmm. enjoy it. So I spent years and years observing that process and being obviously like being on my own uh, as a sort of running my own studio really helped me to not make the same mistakes twice as, as often as possible, <laughs> if that makes sense. Because uh-huh. even though you can, you can see all the warning lights, you can still always make a mistake. You know, people lead you to believing that things are easy or you get in the right process or you get the right work, work done and it still can fail. But I try not to fail as often as I've done before because I'm trying to look out for the process and how I can make it better. 
So the more notes I was making, the more client work I was going through, I realized there is definitely a body that I can put together, a body of words and copy. Mm. And I, when we spoke before this interview, we spoke about working from small spaces. And <laughs> sure, yeah. I, I, I was working from a really small space. It was like a, it was a spare room in my old house. And I remember struggling with a little bit of anxiety. I had to kind of, I've, I've looked into the, uh, meditation and mindfulness and I tried to be a bit more in, sort of in tune with my own being. Uh-huh. And I realized that the better I was comfortable in my own body the and in my own mind, the better was the process. Like I, I enjoyed better. I enjoyed, I enjoyed more creating stuff and thinking more. You know? And I was, I just felt like as designers, we are, kind of we are in a way athletes you know we are we we, we you need to train you, you can't just be great at photoshop or you can't have a great sketching skills you know you need to have a better understanding of who you are what mm-hmm. what food you know, what fuel i call it fuel uh what sure. food we put in no in, into your mouth uh, no, into your body because everything has an effect on you and especially in times like today when we are so preoccupied with our own happiness, like, oh, how happy are you? <laughs> <laughs> it, it helps to be on your, not to bring your A game to, to, uh, to a, a project or to a task because it, you can concentrate on the good bits rather than being preoccupied with something which is an ailment or sure. thing. So that's why I split the book into three sections because I, one, one section is all about process the third the midsection is about creativity how do we tackle it how do we you know how do we use it how do we think about it and the third section is it was is about the mind of the Mm. person because there is a lot of things that affect us that reflect in our work okay so when you were did you consciously seek out to break it into three sections when you started writing it or was that something that just kind of happened it kind of happened i think it was just the the notes i was making they almost naturally pointed at that sort of division mm-hmm. because not everything was necessarily following one one another so one chapter could be about uh breaking a creative block but another then the following chapter is about breathing and <laughs> taking it not taking time <laughs> to deep breath so it, it got almost naturally signposted itself like kind of a, a, these sort of chapters kind of pointed in themselves to those three, sort of three brackets and i just again I, I felt when when i was working on a book there was such so much of self-doubt going into this because you almost try to preempt the the perception, like what will people think of this? Because this was not yet another of a graphic design guidebooks. You know, like people say, twenty five different steps to graphic design or a type, not a guide to typography. And this, this is this is literally just a collection of ideas that I bring to my desk or to my computer every day. Mm-hmm. And try to use them and kind of remind myself of what I shouldn't be making you know, twice over again, like mistakes and mishaps. <laughs> and yeah, and, and 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 I did because, as you may have noticed, the book is self-published. I just wanted to mm-hmm. be very much in charge of what that book is. I didn't want to compromise with anyone. I just wanted to make a book which is very much a true expression of who I am. So, as as, as I had feedback from one of the books, like okay. 
the interview really explains who you are. I want this. I want. I wanted this book to be like, okay, this is who I am, what I stand for, how I think, how I create. And yeah, it was it was an exhilarating process because I was literally heading into the unknown. I had nothing else to compare it to. There was sure. no, because there's no such book <laughs> out no. there. And I've done my research. I've looked. I didn't want to create another sort of similar book to anything else that's out there. And because I kept it very personal, I think that's kind of why it, it why it succeeded in being very uh, of its own. It doesn't mm-hmm. really align with anything else. Um, yeah, I think the closest book that's out there, I think, might be Aaron Draplin's book, which is again like it's very much like a life story. It's there's there's talking about you no. Know, the things that are outside design that influence design rather than just going, you know, uh, just on the screen of the <laughs> in design. Yeah, I, I can see that. I've got Draplin's book as well. Um, yeah, I, I like the way that it was broken up where it's, you know, you've got these sections, you've got, and each one is paired off with their, their essentially individual essays that compose each section. Hmm. Um, and they they all f- kind of follow a train of thought, and then I don't know, come together as a whole. I uh, I really wanted to um, just provide my my own opinion, my own view, and then leave sure. the chapter with an open ended question. I didn't want to. I, I don't. I, I, in no chapter, I tell people like this is how we do it. It always makes you feel like okay, this is how I do it. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Like. But don't you think it's no? It's 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 useful or possible? Or, it's just I I just really wanted to keep it open because when you get um, solutions provided on a plate, you don't question the process. You don't question how you get there. You know, if somebody, mm. for example, like you you're on the train from A to B, you don't necessarily pay attention to the countryside or you don't pay attention what's out the window. You know, you, 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 right. you the autopilot switches on. Whereas if you had to make your own way from A to B through your own means, let's say driving and stuff, you pay attention to how you get there. And that's sure. kind of like with with some of the solutions. Some people believe that they, just the shortcut to brilliance is by reading a manual. But clearly it's doings. You know, obviously you need to kind of, obviously you need to do and make stuff to be, mm. to, to become someone because you can't just, you know, you can just read, you know, like it's just the same as like driving a car. How you guys drive like automatic cars, don't you, in America? But <laughs> mostly, yes. <laughs> but it's like learning, you know, to use a um, gear shift. Like you, you can read the book about about signs and how cars work, but you have to get in a car to actually learn how to really get it, your get your own groove and mm. to find out how to do it. And that's that's how I believe with the you know, with what the book is. It just it it gives you an idea, but you still have to go and find your own solution because. I don't want to provide it to you because I don't want to lead you somewhere where you don't want to be. Well, I think that makes sense. I mean, design is about problem solving to begin with. So if you're giving everybody the answers, they're not having to solve a problem. I I arrived at that book. There's this hundreds of examples of my work in the book. It's it, every one of them I believe is almost a, it is bulletproof. Like everyone, there's there's an idea, there's a, there's a research, there's a process, there's a, no, there's a delivery. And and that's that's the kind of thing about about my work and my life. It's just I, if you don't work hard for what you achieve, it's 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 almost like it feels like a fluke. You know, it feels it, it's too easy. Mm-hmm. And and even for example, if a project is 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 kind of falling into place nicely, I still try to make it a little bit more difficult for myself, so I can find 
what else I can, what else is possible to achieve, you know, with the time and, and the resources, because I believe in creating work, which is created perfectly first time around, you know, of course we get chances to fix it next time around, you know, but sure. it's just, why would you create something superficial? Oh, sorry. What's the word? Um, why would you create something of, of lower quality rather not when you, when you can create anything, which is perfect almost the first time around. So it's just, I just mm-hmm. believe in like every single opportunity that comes into our life should be really sort of cherished and explored and kind of like doing it properly. And gotcha. as you, in the book, I kind of, I liken it to musicians on a stage. I have been to see a band called friendly fires seven times or eight times in one year because they just played perfectly. Like it was just, they played like it was the last concert ever. Mm-hmm. And it was infectious. That energy was so, so mesmerizing. It was so great because these guys really played it properly. And it also may help out from my sort of death metal background. You know, you like, I like, <laughs> I, I like seeing people who really give it, you know? And I believe that even though designers are not rock stars, I just, I believe we can really act like rock stars. You know, we can really give our all at every time because people buy into what we do, not because we can click some buttons in Photoshop, but people buy, buy into us for who we are and what we know and where we can sort of get people with, with our sort of skills and knowledge. And it's kind of, it's, it's, it's the, it's the excitement is the, is the, is the energy that we carry that I think makes us who we are and, well, and we can make your business successful. Mm-hmm. Well, throughout this, we've kind of been talking about process and how that works. What, what is, what is your process? Right. Yeah. It just depends on what I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I work across our direction, branding, packaging, illustration, all the way up to the sort of uh, web and digital tools and sure no almost these days no no two projects are the same i mean they might start they might overlap in some way but i purposely keep um the flow of new commissions open i don't particularly go and search for work everything comes to me and one day i could be like for example recently i've been rebranding a dating agency like a matchmaker agency i've been uh, (laughs) working with uh, meditation studios I've redesigned the uh, James Bond online website for uh, the merchandise. Um, um, what is it? I've done a album campaign for it. So, so it's everything is very, very different. And I try to, on this basis, it's it's very difficult to kind of fall into one groove and repeat yourself because it it never like no two commissions can ever produce the same results because they are really tailor fit to the client brief and to clients muscle mm-hmm. and clients themselves. So. I used to be at the beginning of my career, some 11 plus years ago, I would very much just sort of jump in straight into Photoshop and just start moving pixels about. And (laughs) the years and years of just misery, I could have saved myself by thinking first Mm -hmm. would have been great. But I had to make that mistake of literally pushing pixels around and kind of things would click in together. Sometimes they wouldn't. And with years and years of doing so, feeling miserable because some <laughs> no brilliance ever comes out in two <laughs> seconds, I um, I realized that I have to really, again change the process and think about it more and like what am I creating? Who am I creating for? So I've and sort of used the, the trusted pen and paper more and more and sort of start sketching notes and thinking, okay, this is this is my this might be the idea of what's to do. And what helps these days is is the time to think about stuff. So, for example, a dating agency brief, 
my clients don't come with a brief. They say, okay, this is our business. We want to change. This is our sure. budget. Um, and, and that is the best thing because there's no pre preconceived perceptions of things. People are open to suggestions. And if somebody contacts me through my website, they usually would, what I would call, they would get what I do because it's so varied. And some, if some people can literally just okay, make, make out what that, all of the, all of that is, they, mm-hmm. they would get in touch and they would provide me with a fair amount of freedom and say, okay, we, we are open to whatever you've got to say. And, and I would spend a couple of weeks thinking about it, kind of making my research, look at their competition, look at brand positioning, looking at who, for example, their clients could be and how they can, kind of what it's in those people's lives that make them understand such company. You know? So it's just like, let's say, if you're a designer, you're, let's say you like Apple products. But you can mm-hmm. also, but you can also like nicely, t- not like nice shoes, or you can. Like, it's just like what is what makes up. What, what are the fragments or what are the elements in your life? So I try to sort of look everywhere around that particular subject just to see what's good. Um, mm-hmm. Create a mood board, show client a mood board, like just go through it and see, like, if if we're on the right track, and if the art direction outline is kind of semi, semi, semi. Uh, finalized then i would start creating stuff this mm-hmm. means that i i don't create let's say for a brand new project i don't create five different logos and let people choose like you know <laughs> like a like a lot <laughs> i don't do that i just create one really uh, fitting solution because there's no need to you know because that i believe to to every question there's only one answer at that time obviously so if, mm-hmm. if you're literally aligning like a mathematical equation there is something that I don't know, happens after the equal sign and also it helps because then the client knows what they can expect. Because if, mm-hmm. you, if you're creating five logos based on your favorite typefaces or whatever you like to do, people are most likely not to like it because they haven't got an idea of what you're trying to do for them. So I, yeah, I would present all, all the work I would do, I would present it in person so I can sort of defend it and explain it to them. And it feels very interesting when people feel like, oh, then like sometimes people tell me they've got butterflies because they're really nervous because they expect <laughs> and it's, it's such a fantastic thing because we are create we are especially by people for people we are creating work for other human beings you know it's just it's, sure. not, it's not for our prize not like some people are glory hunters in the industry and i think that's terrible because you want <laughs> to create things that will be used by anyone you know your mom can understand yeah. it no she can appreciate it your grand can understand it you know it's just it's 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 about things that should function and i think that's what i like about this so yeah if if the branding picture if the work pitch is oh, successful then i just carry on until until the end of project but I do try to over deliver at every project because I just love giving people more than they ever anticipated or even wanted. And that always gives me a a great sense of pride and satisfaction that I've just kind of totally exceeded someone's expectations because if it makes their business good, it makes me look good too. Gotcha. How do you decide what client is right for you when they come to you? Because I'm sure you get plenty of... um examples of ones where you're like oh i don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole yeah um i used to get seduced by money <laughs> as, as anybody else i used to get seduced by money mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you're freelancer you really you know, want to make sure that the bills are paid so i have i have done a fair share of jobs that i shouldn't have done well, <laughs> well of course i think we all have yeah my mortgage got paid but um yeah I, i'm learning and 
it's usually on a personal level. I, I like a conversation. I like a good conversation. As soon as an email comes through saying, hey, this is what we want to do. Are you interested? I would look him up. I would phone them up within, let's say, a half an hour, an hour, just to make sure that I'm, they know that I'm interested. Even just mm-hmm. having that first conversation. And it's all about all about clicking on a personal level. Because again, it's created by people for, for other people. And sometimes even the most money in the world, if, if, if I've, I've come across people who are so tricky and they had a backstory why a previous designer didn't work or like, you know, there's the warning signs. People say, oh, well, sure. well we've, we've spent all the money or we've done all of this and it's my dog doing stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, 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 again, it's an experience. Like you, you have to burn your fingers many times before, you know, <laughs> start being careful. <laughs> and uh, I do have a, I do have this sort of list of questions in my book, which I still always go by that. If I, if I want, if it's something I believe in, if it's something uh-huh. I would like to, let's, let's, if it's, for example, a product I would like to have in my life or I'd be interested in using it, or if it's something that I believe can c- clearly make a difference in other people's lives, that's usually the first sign of being definitely interested and in, in helping mm-hmm. people. And to me, I'm, I'm lucky that these days price is not necessarily the, uh, the indicator of yes or no. I can, I can choose, but can choose. And even if the project is not very well paid but it can really make a difference i mm. i'm always keen to explore it because it's it's something that might not again make a difference in someone you know someone some someone else's life gotcha well speaking of making a difference i know you've done some work for some charities like uh, mm. world wildlife fund and um i've done work for you oh, i just blanked on the other uh, yeah, I have done work for USAID. Um, That's the one I was blanking on all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, I've done work for USAID. I've done actually quite a few different charities over the years. And again, it's it's again just smashing that perception of what, what not expectations of what can be done because charities are like other clients. You know, they, they contact design studios and get work done and they're just treated like a, a number. You know, like, okay, this is just another client, it's just a charity. And some people, some, Sometimes people are not necessarily as ambitious, hello Hendrix, as ambitious with <laughs> the briefs as they would be, you know, with, with a regular sort of like high profile brand work. So I, yeah, I've, I really enjoy helping charities in that sense. Mm-hmm. I, I work on preferential rates. I try to do again as much as possible for them because the people who commission that work are not designers. No, they are, they are people in charities. <laughs> so you really want them to, again, to succeed and just to have a bigger appeal because charities are not always, no, they never have the amount, the amount of money that they should have mm-hmm. and the, not the amount of help. So, yeah, it's quite interesting watching what's happening right now in, you know, in America when it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's just <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that, you know, USA, as, as it's been, you know, around for so many years and, and, and work I've done was for example for Caribbean and, and entrepreneurs through USAID mm-hmm. it's promoting you know the knowledge and skills to people who can have better lives in their own countries you know and just shutting things off like that to say okay America comes first it's just it's such a you know <laughs> it's just such a mistake so it's it's interesting because I I've seen a very nice sort of results uh, happening as a part of a design being created for mm-hmm. good, good causes so yeah, I hope not. I hope it might long continues because it's you can really see the difference. You can really see it. 
Well, I think in times like this, charities need more help than ever. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I um, I was it was quite interesting because I like by working with charities, you learn about so many different problems and causes. And I remember Obama was in Kenya promoting the exact um, like the uh, cause, uh, the not plan that were for the entrepreneurship. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm part of this. It made me really happy. It's like, oh, I've done something for another part <laughs> of the world, which is exactly involved with the same people. So it's, it, it brings you to other places where with a regular commercial design, you would not really get to. So, yeah, it, it produces very, very unusual results. I, uh, I had Prince Charles once wearing a, a little pin I've created, and he did a message like a video message and he was wearing the pin that I designed. I was just like, yes, this, 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 this is a, you know, this is impossible. Like how, how did you get your work being sort of won by royalty? <laughs> and it just happened through charity work. So it was kind of like a double win. It was great. Yeah. So I got a question since you've done stuff, you know, you're, you're doing stuff kind of all over the world. Mm. How, and, and we, we talked about time a bit but how are you managing that with multiple time zones multiple things when are you sleeping <laughs> yeah uh yeah especially with the baby now um yeah yeah <laughs> when do we sleep that's a uh, whole nother discussion <laughs> that's a whole nother discussion yeah, yeah the sleep deprivation has to become your friend um mm. it again planning thinking i just it things can't be gung-ho anymore like it you have to know what's happening tomorrow and when is it happening. Um, in the past, when I used to be a commercial illustrator, I do remember having conversations at any time of the day <laughs> mm. with various people around the world. And I, I had to kind of, I had to phase out that type of work because I just, at the moment, I cannot jump on anything at any time. Uh, I have to find a time in my, like find time in my schedule and I have to find enough time to make sure I, I can warrant that job to be done properly. Sure. But yeah, I think it's, it's once you start planning and thinking about a day ahead, it, nothing's pretty impossible. I mean, I, I feel it, it's, it can be done and mm. yeah, prior, I don't know. I just, I never really thought about it anymore like that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it can be done. It can be done. And yeah, I guess even though, I um, still can work on, let's say, 12, 15 projects at the same time. Uh-huh. It, it's it's kind of having, like, I really appreciate the the privilege of being able to pick what I want to work on tomorrow or day, no, day after, because it's kind of, I, I believe in working on something when you're really inspired or when you've got the answers, then, then sure. you can just prioritize that because it ten, tends to take half, half, half as much time because you know what you know what you're trying to achieve. Uh-huh. Well, I think I'm I'm thinking and I'm thinking out loud here cuz most designers I know planning is not their strong suit. Mm. And I'm wondering if that background in economics is what led you to being better at planning than a lot of us yeah or at least thinking about planning in different ways yeah well to be honest i think i I would kind of sort of i'll have to say i I would definitely give that planning sites um success to my 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 girlfriend my wife 
Um, <laughs> she was just like, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm like, stuff. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, write it down, write it down. She, uh, uh, she works in comms and PR and marketing. So she okay. totally different skill set. And she, she was the one who kind of pushed me to write better lists and think of things about a bit differently because she would see me absolutely broken at the end of the week or if not even halfway through the week, totally broken because I've been trying to juggle so I would try to juggle so much. And she's like, no, this is, this is impossible. So, I mean, there is of course, like the outside, inf- like the outside influence from economics and sort of that sort of more pragmatic part of, you know, of my brain. I think that's where it like, kind of where it goes to where I can sort of say, okay, this, this is potentially uh, no, the, the part that my good meet there. But I'm still, it, things can be chaotic, especially if something just just breaks the schedule by a little bit. And, you know, it's like a house of cards. It's just like uh-huh. you can plan so, so well ahead, especially, for example, let's say I've got Friday deadline and I feel on Monday I've got so much time. And then it comes Thursday, Thursday evening. It's just like, I still haven't even started. <laughs> like, and I'm meant to be delivering stuff tomorrow. It's, yeah, it can still be challenging because it's, I, you know, I used to liken it to uh, driving buses or trains. You know, you've got a timetable, you know, exactly. You go from A to B, you know, at 10 o'clock, by 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. Whereas with design, you can, you can be here for two days and still not be finished, even though you felt it could be done in three hours, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> it, it sometimes, you know, it's, it, as you know, it's unpredictable and, and, and it's, it, that, even though it can be a challenge, I still find it a very exhilarating part of the job because the things are only done when they're really done. So are you creating multiple lists for different things? <laughs> uh, it's terrible. Yes. So I've got a list of tasks. Well, I've got a list of jobs, of commissions. Then I've got a list. Then I'll write a list for every single day, like what order I'm going to be doing things in. Sure. Then I've got a list for a week. <laughs> and and then I have to consolidate the list to another list. So I mean it it gets it gets quite sometimes quite messy. But it <laughs> it does really help. It really helps to to get there, not to what what I need to do. And especially not to forget because things are so busy and so intricate and sort of eclectic. I found that if something isn't written down on a piece of paper, it just doesn't exist anymore. You know? Mm-hmm. and i um I, I need to get better about that myself yeah writing lists is just 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 the simplest and the most functional and efficient thing ever in the world <laughs> <laughs> yeah it does work and especially like up a lot of people like using their phones like you might have some uh, i say wonder list or whatever is the app now there's different apps but sure. it's, it's in your phone like once you run out of battery it just it, it, it's gone Whereas this piece of paper here, it's just it's it's here all the time, and I can just tick stuff off, and I get a little bit of hit of dopamine every time I tick stuff off. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it 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 there's something into it, and I think that will be all for a long time to stay because it's it's just so great. <laughs> That's a simple way to say it. <laughs> cool. Well, we're kind of getting close to our time, so where can people find the book and then kind of? Give the wrap up of why they should get the book as well. Yeah, that's a good question. Why they should get the book? <laughs> um, so the book, aside from to pay for your co- printing costs. Yeah, well, <laughs> oh, luckily I've covered that a long time ago, which was really good. Um, I it really helped to to be sort of practicing for years before I fully sort of pushed out this this this, this book. Sure. Because um, you learn again incrementally. Like uh, I've still made tons of mistakes on this book in terms of distribution and and PR and launching it and 
It's just, it's just, it's, it's, every day is not another mistake. There's <laughs> opportunities for another mistake. But it's good because I'm already planning book of ideas volume two for 2018. Oh, wow. And hopefully I will be making <laughs> same same mistakes again. Um, uh, the book can be found, uh, because it's a self-published effort, I, as I said, I haven't really fully, even the book's been out for 11 months, I, f- I haven't fully finished distribution uh, deal. So mm-hmm. I do all the shipping through my uh, fulfillment company and it, the best way to get a book is through my own website or through amazon.co.uk. Um, I know people are reselling a book on the uh, Amazon.com website, but it's it's easier to buy it cheaper from my own site. So, and that's brandnew.co.uk. And um, um, what else was that? Yeah, so why the, why the reason why people should get a book? Because <laughs> I believe it's 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 one of a kind. It's 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 an honest story. It's a journal. So as we mentioned earlier, like it's it's not mm-hmm. a, it's not a guide to non-existing career or not having ideas. I mean, the ideas being in the book of something that should enrich your life or your your working practice, but it's not going to tell you which typeface you need to pair up with which color. <laughs> oh, no, it's that, it's, it's not, I'm not going to be a spoon feeding. No, I'm, I don't spoon feed anyone. <laughs> um, and I think it's, there's, there's something about it that it, 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 I, through the feedback I've had and I've sold literally thousands of copies, the feedback is that it made people think. It made them think differently. It made them do stuff differently. It's made them be more inquisitive because it's so easy to be working every day in the same not on the same workstation in a corner of your studio from nine to five and go home and sure just not think about it it's just like how can you make a better connection with people and i think there is quite a few chapters in the book and quite a few points in the book like how you can be that better version of yourself how can you sort of deliver better and kind of have a more full sort of fulfilling life because doing that one thing over and over again and expecting different results, as Einstein said, it's a, it's a de- <laughs> definition of madness. You know, we use the same tools all the time in the same way and expect everything to look different. And, sure. and I don't think we do that enough. You know, I think we, we should really be trying to challenge ourselves every day. And in my talks, uh, I, I refer, I've got a picture of um, Usain Bolt. And I say uh-huh. that every, you know, like, unlike sports people, we don't have to wait for the race of our life, you know, like every four years. We can literally wake up every morning, go to work and produce, you know, that award-winning work, you not know, just kind of smash people's expectations, just kind of do things that really will mean something rather than spend life of indifference. So I think that's that's what the book talks about. That's what I try to get across. Because there was nobody in my life who'd be telling me like, Oh, you have to be the best designer, best creative director you can ever be. It was me and my my willingness and that sort of hunger to actually to achieve such things. And um, yeah, I wish that lots more people follow the same same path. Perfect. So where where can people find you online? So I am a reluctant social media user. <laughs> You're a reluctant social, <laughs> reluctant media, social media, user. media user. I um as a part of it as an experiment for the book, I I, I deleted all the social media apps of my phone, and that was the best time of my life. I have to say, pre mobile <laughs> phones, it's just. I can go into a lengthy um, a list of reasons why I don't want to be looking at people's dinners, you know. <laughs> it's like, look, this is my supper. I live in Hong Kong. Great. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, uh, which is brand underscore new. 
or mm. just search for me because I think I have to use one extra underscore in uh, on on Instagram. And best way to find me is to use my website, which is brandnew.co.uk, spelled brand b r a n d n u, like November Universe.co.uk, which I have relaunched finally after a few years of negligence. I finally, <laughs> I finally, I finally got a website. Even it's just the code is three years old already because I just started ages ago. But you know, like you know what it's like. You just never release mm-hmm. into your stuff as a priority. So I've got a new website with lots more new projects coming up on the way. It's just it's, I've got literally a whole archive of things that I can sort of squeeze in. And yeah, I, I, I like to own my own traffic. So the website is definitely a point of call where people can find me and follow further links if they wanted to. Um, I've also started publishing some of the articles, some of the chapters from the book onto my Medium. Would you call it account profile? Whatever Medium uh, stands yeah, for. Medium, yeah. So yeah, I'm sort of drip feeding chapters and hopefully maybe publish all of them by the time the next book will come. But oh. um, yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me yeah. online. <laughs> awesome. And we'll link to all this stuff in the show notes so people can find you easier as well. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully yeah, they'll see me speaking at Creative South in 2018. <laughs> hopefully. I'll put in a good word for you. That's amazing. I'm only joking. <laughs> cool. Fantastic. <laughs> right. Well, thank you. We end every podcast by saying go out and hug some necks which is just kind of a way of saying, go out, don't be a stranger, meet new friends, talk, have experiences. Mm. Would you mind taking us out by saying that? Absolutely, yeah. I, uh, I, I, I call it cross-pollination. Like, I, just, I love talking to people from different walks of life. Mm-hmm. I think that's just it's so mesmerizing. I just, like living in London, I just feel so, again, so privileged, so lucky that I can talk to people from the world of film or you know, um, all sorts of different industries. And and have the most fantastic conversations about things that can potentially change the world. So, yeah, I would definitely definitely agree with that quote. All right. Thanks, Redim. Amazing. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. find out more about Redem on Twitter at brand underscore NU. And be sure to check out the links in the show notes for more ways to keep up with them. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter and Facebook at Creative SO Pod and follow Creative South on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Creative South GA or over at creativesouth.com. And I'm at Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. For a limited time, new Skillshare customers can get their first three months for just 99 cents to get unlimited access to thousands of classes when you sign up at Skillshare.com using promo code CreativeSouth. What are you waiting for? Start learning today. And remember, if you like the show, help support us over at Patreon.com slash CreativeSouth. And if you like the Creative South podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Rate us and leave a review. This helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests. Now go out and hug some necks.